Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host. And in today's journey through history, we are going to take a look at the CK&S Railroad. That's the Chicago, Kalamazoo, and Saginaw Railway. It was established in the late 1800s, and it has a lot of fascinating history. It was sometimes known as the Beer Bucket Train, and also the Cuss, Kick, and Swear Railway. This one's a fun one. So if you enjoy a little bit of railroad history, you're going to have fun with this one. So come along and join me. So the article that I'm going to be referring to today was published in a book by the Eaton County Historical Commission, and it's called Right on Track, A History of Railroads in Eaton County, Michigan. And this story is called the CK&S alias The Beer Bucket Train. And it was written by Bruce Benedict and Jan Sidor of the Eaton County Historical Commission. So we thank them for all of this incredible research into this fabulous story that I'm going to read you today. Woodbury is an unincorporated community in the northwest corner of Sunfield Township, Michigan, over in Eaton County. It was founded as the Chicago, Kalamazoo, and Saginaw Railway, which came through the area in 1889, and it was named for a railroad official. A post office opened on November 18, 1889, with a Charles A. Lapo as the first postmaster, and it operated until November 15, 1933. The CK&S Railroad, the Chicago, Kalamazoo, and Saginaw Railroad, also known as the Cuss, Kick, and Swear, and another alias, the Cow Kicked Susie Railroad, <laughs> for the original name of the railroad that ended in Woodbury. Now, it was organized as the Kalamazoo, Lowell, and Northern Michigan Railroad on December 8, 1871, and it was extended from Kalamazoo to Hastings to Smyrna and Greenville. Rights of Way were bought, and the road was graded to Hastings, and then came the Panic of 1873, which was a recession similar to the 1929 Depression, which forced all work on the railroad at this point to come to a standstill. So, ten years later, in 1883, the building of this route was renewed again with some vigor. New money came from investors and the reorganization and a new board of directors, and the name was changed to the Chicago, Kalamazoo, and Saginaw Railroad Company. The new route was to run from Kalamazoo to Hastings and then northeasterly cutting out Lowell. The October 10th 1883 Kalamazoo Gazette reported the papers necessary for the immediate construction of the Kalamazoo and Hastings Railroad have been made out by A.J. Bowne and Major A.B. Watson of Grand Rapids. Further progress on the railroad can be followed in the Hastings Banner for 1887. On October 19th, it reports that the rails of the CK and S are now within five miles of Hastings. On October 26, it reports that a sinkhole on the CKNS not far from Schultz had been causing a lot of trouble. At one point, the road had sunk 10 feet 
and further sinking was expected. On November 16th, we find that a party of 12 men came to Hastings from Kalamazoo on the CKNS. While visiting here, the sinkhole decided to sink some more, and they were stranded until the engine in a passenger car backed up to the sinkhole from Kalamazoo and waited there until the folks were brought to that place by teams, meaning they were taken there by teams of horses or oxen. On December 7th, we find that another hole had developed a few rods from the first one. This one was about 100 feet long, and the roadbed had sunk several feet. On December 24th, the Hastings Banner reported that the trains are now running regularly on the CKNS. Reports on the construction show that these sinkholes went down again in 1888, and that at this time there were six of them. One old-timer who worked on them tells that they named the sinkhole number one, number two, etc. He stated that in order to find them, they had to cut down trees in the main area and manhandle them to the holes where they were made into somewhat of a basket effect with logs. And on top of these, they threw dirt. There were no steam shovels at that time, and all the work was done by hand with hand shovels. Another obstacle was overcome near Hastings, where the road crossed the Michigan Central Railroad, MCR, and then across the Thornapple River. The law in that day was that once you crossed a track with rail, then you could keep that right-of-way. The MCR kept an engine and two cars working in that area to keep the CKNS from affecting a crossing. One Sunday, when the MCR engine had uh, moved out to let another train through and not being alert on account of being Sunday, the CKNS men moved in and laid a crossing through the MCR rails, thus allowing the CKNS access to their right of way north of the MCR tracks. This brings up one of the most asked questions about the history of the CKNS Railroad. Why was the name Saginaw used when the road ended at Woodbury? The CKNS wanted to continue, and in order to do so, they had to lay tracks across another railroad. This time it was the Pierre Marquette, the PMRR, which ran east and west through Woodbury. The CKNS crew secretly planned to lay the crossing under the cover of darkness, but the Pierre Marquette people heard of the plan and were laying in wait for the work to begin. There were some broken limbs, some head busting, and some bloodletting, and when the battle subsided, the CKNS men had lost the fight, and they failed to lay the track across the intersection. Consequently, a turntable was built to turn the engine around, and the line stopped at Woodbury. So that's why it never went beyond Woodbury, but it still retained the name the Chicago, Kalamazoo, and Saginaw Railroad. In 1888, the first train run from Kalamazoo to Hastings was made, and it wasn't until September 1st, 1889, that service opened from Kalamazoo to Woodbury. The stops from Kalamazoo on the CKNS listed in order were East Cooper, Richland Junction, Cressy, Milo, Crooked Lake, Delton, Cloverdale, Ackers Point, Schultz, Hastings, Coates Grove, Woodland, and Woodbury. There were two passenger runs daily, with the first leaving from Kalamazoo at 6.10 a.m., arriving at Woodbury at 8.35 a.m., and a trip of approximately 47 miles in 2 hours, 25 minutes, with 13 stops. 
The train arrived in Woodbury, where it made contact with the Pierre Marquette. Then the engine was turned around on the turntable, rehooked to the cars, and returned to Kalamazoo. The second passenger run left Kalamazoo at about 2.20 p.m. and made the same stops in the same amount of time. And the fare to Hastings was 93 cents. A freight train was made up each day except Sunday and left at approximately 9 to 10 a.m. and did all the necessary switching along the line. Now, with the appearance of automobile and bus line competition, the passenger runs were discontinued in January 1934. They then hooked a passenger car to the freight run on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. Finally, on July 18, 1937, there appeared in the Kalamazoo Gazette the following report, tearing up of 15 miles of track between Hastings and Woodbury has begun. The Hastings-Delton Strip will be removed next. In the days before Prohibition, Barry County was dry and Eaton County was wet. Woodbury, just across the line in Eaton County, had several saloons. Today, M66 divides Woodbury into Eaton County on the east side and Barry County on the west. Just to show you what lengths some people would go for a bucket of beer, the CKNS started a special run from Hastings, which stops at Coates Grove and Woodland, for an evening in Woodbury. Train would hardly come to a stop before the men would jump off, run to their favorite watering hole to fill their tin lunch buckets or covered lard pails with beer. Then, while waiting for the engine to be turned around, they would drink as much beer as they could until the train whistle signified the train was ready to return on the trip to Hastings. Many of the men who ran to catch the train for the return trip were not speedy enough, or perhaps feeling the results of their overindulgence in beer, ended up walking home or simply staying overnight until the next trip back to Hastings. The turntable was a point of curiosity and interest in Woodbury. A railway turntable is a device for turning train locomotives so that they can be moved back in the direction from which they came. This is especially true in areas where a lack of sufficient space has served to weigh against the construction of a turnaround. The main track came into town and ran down behind Smith Brothers and Velt elevator and stopped. The second track was a siding that ran behind the other and could make a connection to the Pierre Marquette railroad track. The stockyard was adjacent to the track and the third track led to the turntable. When the train slowed down or came to a stop, the engine was unhooked and switched to the third track. The engine would proceed to the turntable at a slow pace and stop at the precise spot of the balance. The engineer would unlock the turntable and the men pushed the engine around. It might help to better understand how the turntable was built. It consisted of a huge steel hub in the center, much like an old round oak tabletop. The tracks were laid across this long enough to accommodate the engine. These tracks at each end had smaller railroad car wheels attached and these wheels rode on a circular track like the outside edge of the turntable. The engine was driven on and the two men, one on each end of the steel pushing arms, would turn the engine around 180 degrees so it could be driven off in the opposite direction from which it entered. But consider 40 to 50 tons of locomotive, coal tender, and coal. How well had it to be balanced on that table so that, that only two men 
needed to turn it around. That is quite amazing. If the engineer was getting along with the crew that day, it was a simple job. But if they were out of sorts with each other and stopped the engine two or three inches one way or the other from the center, those men pushing on the arms had their work cut out for them all day long. Now you knew where the cuss, kick, and swear nickname originated. In May 1894, rumors started about another railroad that would be created. The old rumor is revived of the Chicago, Kalamazoo, and Saginaw Railroad, whose northern terminus is now Woodbury, are figuring for a northern extension from Grand Ledge to St. John's, Ithaca, Mount Pleasant, etc., to Saginaw. The plan, as reported, is to run to Grand Ledge on the D, L, and N track and then construct a new roadbed from there. It will be remembered that a project of this kind has suggested at the time the railroad bridge across the Grand River was located at the point it is. It will be remembered that a project of this kind was suggested at the time the railroad bridge across the Grand River was located at the point it is, which is very accessible for the crossing of a north and southern route. The Portland Observer professes to have it on good authority that the Grand Ledge is to be asked to aid the road to the extent of $25,000, the amount that the Portland once raised for the extension of the same line through that place. But it is true, the proposition hasn't been sprung upon Grand Ledge as yet. As times are today, it would be useless to do so. However, the project is feasible and we believe to be among the probabilities of the future when the financial clouds roll by and business assumes its ordinary activity. This was written in a newspaper article of the day. In 1901, the line was extended to 44 miles from Woodbury on the northwestern edge of Eaton County to Pavilion, south of Kalamazoo. It never extended as far as Chicago or Saginaw as was originally planned for the railroad. 1937, CKNS ceased operations, but parts of the line were sold to the New York Central Railroad. In 1938, Woodbury Depot closed. The Pierre Marquette Depot at Woodbury had been permanently closed. L.M. Broadbeck, after serving 17 years as agent of that place, was assigned to Lake Odessa as a clerk on February 1st. At that time, there were three men employed at the Woodbury Depot, but since 1926, one man handled the business, and for some time, the one man was employed only on a part-time basis. And in June of 1938, the CKNS discontinued service into Woodbury and shortly afterward took up some 26 miles of track running southwest of Woodbury into Berry County. Thus, Woodbury lost its post office, one railroad, and a station agent in a short amount of time within those years due to doubt of the event of the automobile age. And that was reported in the Sunfield Sentinel, February 3rd, 1938. So that's going to conclude the story of the CK&S Railway that once existed. I think it has some humor attached to it because it was once known as the Cuss Kick and Swear Railroad. And also the Beer Bucket Train. And sometimes the Cow Kicked Susie Railroad. So a lot of interesting humorous history there. I love that story that they wrote about the fight between the two railroads when the other ones were trying to lay tracks in the middle of the night so that they could have the right-of-way. 
a lot of crazy stories like that that you don't hear about that went on in the history of the railroad. And I have been searching for guests to come on my show to talk more about railroad history in Michigan. I haven't, as of yet, found a whole lot of people that are interested, but that still is one of my ambitions to have some more railroad knowledgeable people coming on the show to talk about railroad history because I think it is such an integral part of the developmental history of transportation in our fine state. And it's always fascinating to hear the amazing stories about that. But I haven't done a railroad story in a while, so I thought you would enjoy this story. And I certainly enjoyed reading about it. It has a lot of very fascinating history that crosses over Kalamazoo County, Berry County, Eaton County, and a lot of very interesting historical information about how the tracks were laid and what the transportation systems were at the time. And, and before the 1930s, you know, passenger railroads were a very big form of transportation across the state. You know, this was before the bus lines and this was before uh, the automobile fully had taken over as its uh, domination as it is today with all the highways and roadways. And I kind of miss not having the option of taking a passenger train somewhere else in the state. Wouldn't it be just nice to be able to say, hey, I want to go to Traverse City this evening, and I have plenty of time to take the, the railroad, and I'll, I'll be happy to sit there and watch the countryside pass by and maybe sit there with your laptop and take a railroad all the way up to Traverse City or something like that. Uh, you certainly can take the Amtrak to Chicago, and I've done that a few times, and that is Always an enjoyable trip, but, uh, you know, and of course it goes in the other direction to Detroit. But I just think that, you know, passenger railroads were, it's sad to see that they have gone into the past for the most part, uh, considering the volume that they once were across Michigan. But that's going to conclude today's episode. If you'd be so kind to leave me a rating or review on whatever app that you are listening on, it would be greatly appreciated. And if you would like to reach out to me, as always, you can find me at michaeldelaware.com. And I wanted to tell you about an event that is happening at the Battle Creek Regional History Museum, which concerns railroads and railways. It's about steam engines, and it's going to be put on by the Steam Railroading Institute out of Owasso. They are coming in to do a talk on the history of Michigan train robberies during the steam railroading time. And they've got a lot of fascinating stories to share. Tickets are $10. All the proceeds go to support the Battle Creek Regional History Museum. And I will put the link where you can get tickets in the show note descriptions. It is happening on September 16th at the museum, which is a Saturday, and it'll be 2 to 4. And these guys at the Steam Railroading Institute are the ones that have the train that was scanned. They actually have a steam engine that was scanned and used for the movie The Polar Express. And they still have that steam engine and they have all kinds of events, especially around the Christmas season. They run the Polar Express train rides. So this is going to be a really fascinating talk and they are all about sharing the history of the steam railroading. So there's going to be a little bit of that mixed in with the talk as well. And I really want to see this event become a big success because we'd like to have them back again probably sometime in January to deliver another talk about the history of the Polar Express movie and the history of steam trains. So that's kind of my motivation as I want to fill the house with them and have them have a wonderful time and want to come back to Battle Creek and deliver that other talk that is 
also going to be equally as exciting. But that's going to conclude today's journey through history. I'm happy that you came along with me this far in the episode. And once again, until next time when we take another journey into yesterday and explore even more fascinating tales from Southwest Michigan's past. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>